What is up? What is up? All right, it's Todd, and I'm super excited for this episode. Like, what I want you to start recognizing is, yes, I'm always going to be bringing extraordinary people, people that are not only on the cutting edge, but they're not done being there, and they're always innovating and refining and getting themselves to the next level because they, they're like, their train is bound for some type of glory or service, and inside they've got this desire to just serve people, and in order to serve people, and this is a big takeaway for you, you've also gotta be willing to learn and get out of your comfort zone. So sit back and enjoy this remarkable conversation with a world-class expert, but first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by the WireBuzz team. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because I've spent the past decade growing WireBuzz into a digital marketing powerhouse designed to maximize clarity in complex sales processes so we can help accelerate revenue. And we do this in three phases. Phase one, we transform your website to function like your best salesperson and then also incorporate persuasive on-demand sales videos. Now your entire team is aligned on messaging and they're injecting massive clarity into your prospect's head. So your site looks great, but it also has engaging content that helps your team sell on-demand 24-7. The next phase, phase two, we train your sales and marketing teams to sell remotely or in person to expand the impact of your sales team. And the third phase is we develop and run targeted ads to your prospects. Scale those ads to help you achieve more business results. Sign up for the WireBuzz Company newsletter to learn more about effective and simple ways to improve your company messaging, attract more digital attention, and ultimately make more sales. Reaching the next level in your career, it often comes from out-of-the-box thinking, like, what am I missing that can help propel me, my career, my awareness to the next level so more people can discover the amazing things that you can be doing for them? Now, speaking of amazing, the WireBuzz team was on location doing a video shoot for a digital marketing project that we were leading for our client, Boston Scientific. And when the crew came back, they were all giggling and they were like, dude, you need to interview the vast man. And I thought, vast man, vast man. The hell is the vast, 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 vast man, like Batman for vasectomies. And that's why I'm joined right now by Dr. Raul Meehan. He is the founder of the East Valley Urology Center in Mesa, Arizona. He's nationally recognized as an expert in minimally invasive treatments in urology and surgical therapies for enlarged prostate and prostate cancer. Plus, he's the founder of, yo, get this, Snip City, the go-to vasectomy center in the Phoenix area. Dr. Meehan, thanks for joining me on the Toddcast. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Dude, I am super excited. Um, I'm become a fan and a follower of your Instagram. We're going to get into that. But, you know, after speaking appearances, Dr. Man, it's really common for marketers of all people to come up and ask me like, Todd, like, how do you solve this problem that I'm struggling with? They say something like, I have a really boring product or there's nothing fun about what I'm promoting. 
how do I make it interesting? And then I saw your Instagram feed and I was like, geez, Dr. Meehan's treating something that isn't really funny. It's cancer or maybe it's incontinence um, or sexual dysfunction. They aren't interesting. And yet vast man has no problem flipping something scary into something that creates powerful publicity. In fact, He's trending tagline. His hashtag is trust your balls in Meehan for God's sake. And he isn't even a friggin' marketer. Dr. Meehan, what are you seeing that many business leaders and marketers aren't looking for in their solution? Well, I think first and foremost, you, you got to really love what you do. And, and, you know, I, I, uh, I'm very enthusiastic. I, I I love my job, and for years I felt like I was on an island, just just by myself. And I realized pretty quickly that that I needed to bring more awareness to my community for uh, some serious medical conditions that that just men and women wouldn't talk about. And um, to make that that connection to, to social media, it was it was just my light my, a light bulb went off. I was talking to my my neighbor who's a cosmetic dentist, and he's like, "Dude, I'm like marketing now just solely on Instagram. Like that's where I'm getting all my clientele. That's where, where people are finding me." And I was looking at all my doctor friends, and nobody's on Instagram. Nobody's made that connection to social media. And this is probably about four or five years ago. And I was looking at his feed, and he had these, these, he, you know, he does veneers and stuff. So he had these these beautiful models and influencers smiling with these these wonderful teeth. And then he would show his kids, and he would kind of tie in his family and, and 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 humanize what he did, and and went back and forth. And I was thinking to myself, how could I show like my son, and then a scrotum, and then back to my family? It just didn't yes. flow. Right. Like there was no connection to like what I did to, to make it cool and hip. And that's where I was like, dude, there, there's, I gotta, there, there, there's gotta be a way to do this. And it was kind of getting myself to think outside the box and to, to be creative and yep. to be fun and, and to simplify and to try to like teach things that, that people would understand and get. And it was when I tried to make that reach, when I was trying to, you know, think outside the box yeah. and, and really be creative, like something that I haven't done as a doctor in years, um, that's when it got fun. And, and where, you know, I, sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't land when I, when I throw things out <laughs> on social media, but, um, everything I do, I really enjoy it. And it, it, it's, it's, it's like, a, like I'm an artist and I'm like, I'm sharing my art to the world. It's beautiful. Okay, there's so much going on in what you let's unpack this a little bit for people because part of the the uh, great opportunity to communicate with somebody like you is you've I'm sure in your office, I'm sure in your private life, there's um, when people ask you what you do, there are giggles, right? Like first they're like, oh wow, but then after a while the conversation does turn giggly. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I right? mean, I have like a license to tell dick jokes. Like that's what I do. Right. But yet, but yet there, for a lot of people, a lot of professionals, there's a disconnect between the giggly that happens across the table and their ability to communicate or promote that out in their marketing materials. And they feel, especially in the medical field of all fields, the disconnect that it might be disrespectful, but somehow inside of your big brain, you're able to make that a publicity opportunity. 
and leverage the giggle into awareness. Tell me about that. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, there's a fine line and that's, that's, I don't know. Sometimes I cross it. Sometimes I, I, you know, it's, there's an edge and I'm right at that edge, especially for what I do. And, you know, it's interesting. I, 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 it took me a while to kind of figure out where that edge is. I was on TikTok and TikTok launched for me like a year or two ago. And I had hundreds and thousands of followers and then it got a little too edgy and they, they canceled my account. I got like some things that you're not even, you're banned. You're not allowed to even have that name. That was snip city. And that got banned from TikTok. And so I had to think, I had to sit back and I'm like, okay, what, where are my audiences? What can I show? I kind of had to like make some boundaries of like what I could say and what mm-hmm. I could not say. And I relaunched on TikTok and I'm, I'm, I'm back on there now, but it's been, it's been a little bit of a battle kind of figuring out like Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, like what can you show? What can't you show? And, and then, uh, like what will the what does the public like? Like when I first came out on Instagram, I would show these massive like complex surgeries of blood and guts and stuff, and then like my average follower would be like, "Yo, that's it's that's too much." Too much. Yeah, so yeah. it took a while to kind of sort out like you know what I what where I could go with it, and, and, and I'm still trying to figure that out. But um, yeah, it's it's been interesting. Yeah. All right, where a lot of people get hung up is they're one afraid to try. You clearly, dude, are not afraid to test. The second place they get hung up is they don't look at the material and then evaluate what they could be doing better. So they put out their best guess and that's as far as they ever go and they go on to the rest of their life. But you have gone through the, what is the audience telling me that they like and don't like so I can refine and perfect the process? All of that is essential, but I think at the core of this for anybody, regardless if you're interested in marketing or not, for me, it boils back down to this like premise that growth happens in your life, not when you're like super comfortable just being status quo, but growth ultimately breakthroughs happen when you're hungry and looking for and being uncomfortable looking for where the next path is. Did you experience something similar to that? Like doubt and fear and confusion as you're like, I don't know if I should be doing this. <laughs> That's where the excitement is. When you get to that edge yeah. and, you, and you're like, you're worried you're going to fall. Um, everything I post, like I, I want to have that, that, that fear inside. That's when I know it's going to be good. Like I'm like, oh, is this too much? Or like, did I just say that? Or, or you know, can we talk about this? Right. And when it makes me nervous, I know I'm like, I'm in the right direction because yeah, you have to get outside your box because everything else has been done. It's been played and like, yeah. nobody wants to, to, you know, say the same thing over and over again. Um, you know, be original, be you and, 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 and push the boundaries. That's what, that's what art is. And that's, that's what we do. And, you know, and, and to communicate that is, is beautiful. You know, marketing, you clearly get this marketing isn't humble. Like a humble marketer's a crappy marketer. And it's not, it's not good. And great marketing is like one thing, four letters, it's bold. And being bold, it can ignite insecurities like you may have just heard Dr. Meehan explain. And it can make people who are incredibly skilled even question their own confidence in their ability what went through your head when you were like on TV and you're now pushing the envelope again and you decided to throw out your hashtag on live TV, hashtag 
trust your balls in me hand. Like, was that another one of these moments where you like giggled to yourself and <laughs> you're like, this is going to be a hell of a story someday. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. Like as a surgeon and where I trained at, we were, we were trained to be humble, never to like right. advertise your skills or anything like that. Right. So this is, I'm going against my training and like my DNA of who I am as a surgeon but for marketing, you kind of have to. You have to have like this ego or kind of have to have this, you know, you have to be willing to share more yeah. um, and build yourself up more. Um, being on TV was kind of, it's a new experience for me. So I've done a couple of things on TV and, and you know, my Instagram, I, I like to, I like to be edgy and like to throw things out. I like to make people like gasp. And yeah. it's, when you do that on live TV, it's a little different thing. Like the producer there was like, no, I think, uh, I think we're done here. But, uh, it, it was, the, the, you know, I had the, the, my, my, my interviewer, you know, it was just laughter everywhere. And, that, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to catch people's attention and, and, uh, make people laugh. And then they think about it. And, you know, when you start talking about men's health and women's health, um, you, you have to, to get to, to get the message across, you have to sometimes make people laugh. And you have to be willing to push the boundaries. A lot of people, by the way, I've got more, because I'm on the board of the American Society of Breast Surgeons, I have more surgeon friends than any profession. Like my wife says to me, like, dude, you really need to diversify because there's a whole other group of people out there. But like, I know from my surgeon friends that if they're going to be taking on something and they're going to be pushing out content on social, they're more concerned about how their peers are going to view them than the way that their customers or patients will see them. But I don't detect that from talking with you. How concerned are you about what peers are going to think when they see vast man on Instagram? I was really nervous when I first launched this. That's exactly. I was trained to be humble, not to to showcase what I do, and you know, all my colleagues were all like that. And, and as a doctor, you don't have a lot of time too. To I mean, where we work so much to to put things out on social media. But my last TikTok was probably my my favorite. Everything everything I you know <laughs> right. I, I probably yeah. wouldn't have done is my last TikTok was the car wash video. It was the car wash trend I love it. where where teenagers go and wash each other in their car in, in a car wash and to a, uh, to a certain trendy song. And I, one of my friends is a dentist and he took his whole practice. They went to the car wash and they watched each other and that had 6 million views in a week. Crazy. 6 million views on TikTok. And then my niece shot me a text. She's like, Hey, can you do this video? It'd be hilarious to do a urologist, you know, urologist going to a car wash. I don't know what you'll do with it, but can you do it? So I was thinking about it and she, she texted me on a Thursday. I, I, I text all my, my uh, partners on Friday. I'm like, dude, meet me at a car wash Saturday, 6.30 a.m. We're going to talk about urinary flow because like, for example, I'm going to use your, 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 this podcast. Only 2% of guys who have severe urinary dysfunction get treated. 98% of men live with severe symptoms, waking up at night, you know, running to bathrooms, having trouble to pee, and they're just too stoic to do anything. And yeah. you know, the more I can have a fun conversation saying, hey, go see a urologist, we can fix your flow. So I used the car wash as a metaphor of somebody coming there. And I showed in the beginning one of my partners – 
kind of urinating with a weak flow and then we, we fixed him and then his flow was like, like phenomenal. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to put this out on social media, like, what are my, what are the urologists going to think of this? Like we're at a car wash dancing, you know, to, to like some, some song and, and, and just being silly. But that kind of, you know, I put that out there and again, I was nervous. That was very edgy for me. Um, and it went over really well. It's had like, for me, you know, 90,000 plays in, in, a, in a week. And it's been on a lot of like the Canadian Urological Association posted it on their, on their Twitter feed. And all these urologists picked it up and like, yeah, urologists can have fun with their job and we can help you pee better. And to get that message out um, has been awesome. But it, it was really a little nerve wracking when I posted it. I posted it real quickly. And I was like, this is just silly. Like, what am I doing? But you got to be silly sometimes. And I think that's, that's for, for when you talk about serious things, um, that's the key to get the message across. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I just applaud you. Like I think there's a fear that keeps people from ever realizing their next potential and it debilitates them, you know, and, and then they wonder why they didn't break through. And I had a, I have a friend, Austin Vickers, who is the creator of the documentary called people versus the state of illusion is award-winning documentary. And um, one day over a cocktail, he broke down how he brainstorms. And the way he brainstorms is he puts himself in a room and just thinks ridiculously for a given period of time. And then when he's, he calls it a thinking ridiculously session, and he writes down every crazy idea in this that could possibly solve the problem or content that he needs to create. He writes down every crazy idea and doesn't judge anything. Then when the ideas stop, that's his brainstorm. He removes all the ridiculous ones, doesn't judge at the beginning, removes them later. And what he's discovered is like a vast majority of his thinking ridiculously ideas that he would have filtered mentally if he judged them, but he puts them up there anyway, end up being gold. And it was his own judgment that was keeping him from releasing that next level. And I'm, I'm fascinated by the process because it's often ourselves that get in the way. And here you are, um, it's like blocking flow, right? We're talking about men and flow and our own judgment blocks flow when we should just get it out there and then evaluate it once it's up on our dry erase board or on our piece of paper later on. It's a cool technique. How do oh, you awful. come up with these ideas besides, of course, your niece reaching out? What is your creativity process like? Yeah, I try not to filter myself. And I think that's the biggest thing is, mm-hmm. you know, I do the same. I, I often will wake up in the morning and have a dream and, and it's crazy. And I only remember for a second, I have a, I have a pad of paper by my bed and I just write you it down. Too? Yeah, I do that kind of very similar process. And, you know, I, I try to take notes during the day. Something comes to me when I'm driving. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. awesome. And you just write it down. And, um, you know, I, now it's easy with phones. You know, I have like a notes on here and, and I just I just keep – I probably have like 100 things that I want to film and, and shoot and, and put out on, on, on social media if I had the time. All right. So what I've discovered is you are a classic content fountain. There are two types of content creators. There is the faucet. This is the person that thinks they're going to sit down at a set time and they're going to turn on the faucet and they're like, come on, ideas flow. And they don't flow. See, I'm doing this. I'm working this flow thing back in for you. I like it. And then, yeah, right. No doubt. And then uh, the other person is a fountain. 
Think about like the Bellagio fountain. It just keeps flowing. And whenever the idea comes, you write it down on your notepad. And then uh, when it's time to create content, you're like, I've got this whole list that just keeps flowing. And that's the only one that works. I think the fount, the faucet leaves people just terribly frustrated. I use something called the Trello board. And on Trello, here's all of my content. I call this my wheel of content. And I can, I have hundreds in here, dude, where I'm just like ideas in the middle of the night, in the middle of a client meeting, and I add them there. And then the next time I'm like, oh, Blue Speedo. I got to tell the story about the Blue Speedo, you know, and there's the content. So I, I uh, anyway, I'm this, one of the things I would love to talk with you about is like, when did this happen for you? Not the marketer, the marketing genius part that just happened, took something boring or something icky and turned it into something storytelling and, and worthy of people's attention. But how old were you when when you decided you wanted to be a doctor, like where were you in your life? What was going through your mind? Oh, I wanted to be a doctor ever since I was a little child. I saw my pediatrician and I just, I so much respected what he did and how he took care of people and he helped people, uh, especially like me when I was sick. And uh, I knew since I was a child, I wanted to be a doctor. It, you know, but and on, the, on, on the flip side, you know, I, I always been, I've always been creative. I've been an artist. I, I play music. I play saxophone. I played in jazz bands, uh, I played in rock bands. I played guitar, bass guitar, and I had all these outlets for my creativity. Um, as a child, as a teenager, you know, I played sports. I felt like I was creative in sports, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and then, then in medicine, you get kind of beat down. You're like, you know, you go to school and, and I was just proctoring cases in China and I didn't understand a thing that they were saying for like three hours. I just sat there and that's how I was like in med school. I'd like sit there for hours. Yeah. I had no idea what's going on because it's like a foreign language to me. And it's hard to be creative in those kind of environments where you don't really understand and, and you're at the bottom of the totem pole. So like my creativity got like just stifened for, for years. And, you know, I did 10 years of training, um, to, to, to you know, med school, um, residents, no, even more than that, like four years of medical school, I did, um, six years of residency. So 10 years there. And then, uh, and then you're in private practice and you're still not, you're still trying to figure it yeah. out. So it took me several Always. years of private practice and I'm still figuring it out. I'm study, I study every day. I still get nervous. I still read. I still go to, I go to conferences. I'm bringing new things in and I, and I love it. But I just, once I got confident in what I, what I do as a professional, then I started, bringing back some of that creativity and, uh, uh, sharing that with others. And that's, you know, I, I kind of had to be like, I, I would hate to like, when I first started be like, okay, this is how you operate because I really was still figuring out how to operate and, you know, how to become an expert at what I do. And it, yeah. it took me a while to kind of be where I'm at. And now, you know, I can, op I, I, I mean, I'm good at what I do. I, I've really perfected my craft, um, as a surgeon and uh, this is kind of the next step for me. It's like now let's demystify it for the world, and let's let's yeah. let's educate not just my patients, but let's try to to educate Arizona. And and that those are my goals now. You know, Doctor Meehan, I I get chills um, hearing you say this. What I 
What I hear is what Tony Robbins taught me and what he brings up all the time, which is can I? Constant and never-ending improvement. And like the world-class experts that I've been talking with in this podcast all have can I in common. What is it? Like you're a hungry learner, dude. Like when you were just talking, I'm hearing somebody that's got a commitment to learning and a desire and willingness for excellence. Where do you fuel that from? Um, Michael Jordan, like my idols growing up. Yeah. Watching these guys that would, you know, spend their off seasons practicing and, and, and developing their game and see his game develop as even uh, later on, he learned this, you know, fadeaway, uh, you know, jump shot and, and things that he brought to his game as, as he aged. And, um, those are the, my idols growing up, you know, right. Um, you know, you can name a million of them, but yeah, for me, it's, it's like for, for in medicine right now, it's a Renaissance and either you are part of that Renaissance taking on new technology to, to help your patients or you're, you're not, and, and you're, you're falling apart. And there's this huge, uh, divergence in, in, in where doctors kind of are in, in, in how they practice and in their careers. And I identify that really early on. I mean, this is like what I do now is very different than how I was trained a decade ago, like the, mm-hmm. the, the procedures I offer. And it's continued to change. And so either you're part of that evolution or you're going to get left behind. And most of my, my peers in my area really haven't adapted or evolved. So um, that's, that's not like, okay, I'm there now. I'm, I'm like thinking what am I going to, what am I, what am I going to be doing in a year and five years and 10 years is still going to be vastly different than what I'm doing now. So you have to be part of that and you have to budget that time in your schedule. Either it's a daily or weekly where you're reading, you're, you're looking at your journals and you're kind of, you know, you're talking to your peers and you're going to conferences. You have to do that to stay ahead of the game. Yeah. I, Okay, so I'm a, I, I get that. I love it. I'm a sports fan. And every offseason growing up in Southern California, as a Laker fan in the Magic Johnson years, Magic would always, in his offseason, figure out how to up his game to the next level and, and develop his weaknesses and perfect his strengths. And I got to watch that with Michael Jordan I got to see that in many of my rock star uh, breast surgeon friends, their daily desire and commitment to be the best at their field. And that there's also people that go through their profession, whatever profession they're in, and they go through their studying and they remain constant, right? When do you have like a, um, an early warning system inside the Meehan brain where if you're remaining constant for too long, something happens in your system and you're like, dude, I got to start learning again. Like, does that kick in for you at some point or do you just keep a healthy diet? Oh, I think this is part of my DNA to, you know, to want to be successful and succeed. My dad came from India in the seventies and, you know, lived the American dream and, and built up, uh, you know, built himself up, built his family up and, and is super successful. And, and I, and that's always been an example to me too. Um, having, having that, that, that American dream, like, you know, let's, let's yeah. progress, let's build. And something. it takes work. It hundred percent. Right? That's, that's yeah. what I'm trying to teach my children 
and is like, this is not just is given to you. You got to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and how about this? Once you do have a little bit of a piece of success, don't sit back, dig in and refine your craft so you can continue to specialize and be the top of your game. Yeah. Like I, what I do now, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I love it. And, but where I want to be is way down there. So we'll see what happens, yeah. you know, with, with, with my career and, and where I'm going to social media, but yeah, you set your, make your, your, your vision, set your goals as high as they can be and just keep working. I mean, it's a yeah, never comfort ending. is the it's enemy of growth, right? 100%. Comfort is the enemy of growth. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Don't so, get complacent. Like you don't get complacent, dude. Like you can, uh, you can do great in work, but eventually other people will catch up if you get complacent, right? Like you can hear them. I can hear them catching up behind me. Like I'm running, uh, a marathon and I'm hearing the feet coming up behind me and I know it's time to perfect or to refine or to dig in and learn something complimentary that'll allow me to stay on the cutting edge. And you are like, you're, that's, that's you. When I talk to my friends, my peers, and on all these national advisory boards for, for several companies, yeah. and, and it's the same group of people that are in all of these. And I, you know, when I talk to them, we all have the same, same kind of uh, pulse. Like we're not, we don't say no. When somebody asks us yeah. to do something, you don't say yeah. no. Like, you, can you go to New York next week and give a talk? Sure. Let me, then I got to look at my schedule and be like, how am I going to fit this in? But you yeah. figure it out. And, and, you know, that's, that's, you know, you don't want to be just sitting back and, and, you know, you can enjoy life and, and be aggressive at the same time. And, you know, like people tell me this, they're like, yeah, you know, I see a lot of people in medical school or a lot of medical students or, or college kids. And they're like, Oh, one day I'm going to enjoy life. When I, when I get to the pinnacle, then I'm going to sit back and just relax. And yeah. That's the wrong idea. I, you know, I yeah. enjoyed my, most of my happiest times in my life were when I was in residency, when I was working 120 hours a week. And, you know, my, I love those times. I, you know, I, I cherish those times. I cherish the, you got to enjoy the ride. And that ride keeps on going. Okay, so I think about this all the time, okay? And the reason, at least in my assessment, that you look back and people, when they're like sitting around with friends and they're telling stories, they're not telling stories about the times that they were comfortable and they were just starting to get fat and lazy. They're telling the stories about the time they're busting their ass. And I want more of those stories because it gets me to that next level, but I also really enjoy seeing the next version of myself blossom and that takes some in some motivation. Is there anything you do on a daily basis that motivates and inspires you to continue to be on the cutting edge of your craft? I get it. You got to be grounded. And I think yeah. having a reset button coming home and seeing my wife and kids keeps yeah. me motivated and grounded. Like I want to be successful for them. Um, that's one of my reasons why I work and why, who I, you know, like that's what my dad did for me, you know, right. you know, and my dad worked so much growing up. Like I didn't see him as much and, 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 but our relationship is so healthy and, and, and strong. Um, 
and that's what I hope for, for what, you know, as a father for my kids and, and, and husband for my wife is that, that I'm there for them, that I spend time with them, that I'm engaged when we're on vacation, we're on vacation. Um, you know, I try to put my phone away when I'm with them, but you know, it's, it, it's what grounds me and what gives me a reset. And then I'm off to the races again. You know, it really gives me balance. That well, balance is important. Of, the balance is, is vital, but speaking of balance, uh, because I'm a creepy Instagram stalker now of yours and a fanboy, a vast man, <laughs> when you get there in front of the Leaning Tower in Pisa, are you thinking I'm about to lay down and take a vast man photo for, um, you know, <laughs> penal enlargements or in your head, are you thinking I'm really supposed to be here hundred percent present right now? Does the creativity just keep going? It's hard to stop, you know, stop part of your brain. Like you can't. And, you know, I was filming, I was, I had my, you know, I'm, I'm recording things for, yeah, both of my world, you know, my family. And here's the thing too. This is why I love social media. And the real, the real reason why I did it was I work so much. And I come home and my wife and kids have no idea what I did. I may have just saved some guy's life, taken yeah, out yeah. the most complex cancer and spent eight hours in a surgery. And they're like, oh, honey, how was your day? I'm like, great. You know, that's how our conversations went. So I'm like, you know, I kind of really want to share with them what I do because I feel like it's, it's amazing. It's great. I'm an artist yeah. and I'm saving lives and it's, it's badass. And I want them to understand who I am. So I, part of me putting stuff out on social media was to educate them of like how my day really was. And mm -hmm. that was just a part, small part of my social media, but then they bought into it. They understand. And I think, you know, my oldest daughter works at my office. She wants to be a doctor and she is one of the most amazing, intelligent, um, people I know. She's a friend of mine and she's my daughter. She's my oldest. And all my kids are so special to me, but I think it was duly part to social media that she could see the ins and outs of, of, of who I am and what I do in a, in a day. And she gets me better. Um, and so my kids understand my social media and they like snip city and, 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 and you know, their friends are all, they, they all follow me on social media and they wear my, my snip city shirts and my Vazman, you know, outfits and stuff. And they, <laughs> they, 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 they know who I am too. So when I'm on family vacations, they're finding content. They're looking at things and they understand what's going on in my brain. They know who I am and they, they, they accept that. Um, and, and they embrace that and they help me with it. So, you know, a lot of my stuff is like, how can I get my kids to be in part of my, in my, you know, IG stories or my TikToks? And, and, uh, you know, I love incorporating my family in there. And a lot of you, a lot of people don't, they say separate your family from your, your, your professional life, especially on social media. But, I like to combine them because I want people to understand I'm a real person and, um, you know, that, that's who I am. So I'm going to put that out there, you know, and, and that's, yeah, that's me. And it's part of what makes you unique. And when, if the stories are all about work, people don't have the ability to go deeper and identify and connect. Think about all, if you're listening right now, think about all the people that you root for. I'm willing to bet the people that you follow on social do what Dr. Meehan does. They introduce you to not only their specialty, but they expand your horizon into their world and you start rooting and cheering for them as their stories are unfolding. And I just absolutely love this. For those that are listening, please 
my goal, just identify what it takes for greatness and for next level in your career so you can serve people and help impact their life. It always takes a desire and willingness to be the next best version of yourself. It takes a, um, a creativity to get out of your comfort zone and be uncomfortable in, or excuse me, comfortable in the discomfort of learning new things. And it also takes becoming, uh, stopping the idea of thinking that you are a specialist in one thing and learning another niche like video on Instagram or how to get your message out that's gonna allow you to catapult your career. He's Dr. Raul Mian. He is the founder of the East Valley Urology Center in Mesa, Arizona. He's an extraordinary marketer, a extraordinary physician, but as you can also tell, somebody who's hungry and has a desire to get next friggin' leveled. Dr. Mian, where can people go to learn more from you? Check me out on Instagram. I am Dr.Mehan, D-O-C-T-O-R dot Mehan. On TikTok, I'm saved by the balls. And uh, yes, dude. if you need a vasectomy, uh, Google me, uh, East Valley Urology Center. We're in Mesa and Queen Creek. And um, yeah, I'd love to help. 100%. He is the vast man out of the QC. And he's joining <laughs> me right now on the Toddcast. Dr. Meehan, thank you so much, man. An absolute pleasure to get to spend some time with you. Uh, Todd, you're, you're amazing. And uh, I learned a lot from being on here from you. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yo, that was a powerful episode. And from what we just learned, it should be obvious how you can now implement these lessons in your life to get to the next level. Now, before you bounce, I just have three quick thoughts. First, thank you for taking me on your incredible life journey. Second, if you receive some value from me and you want to pay it forward, it would mean the world to me if you left an honest rating and review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I'd be incredibly grateful. And lastly, if you share this episode, whether it be a screenshot or a photo from where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories or LinkedIn, Facebook, or any of the social media sites, just tag me and the guest. I'll repost your content and I'll reply back in the comments because I love mixing it up. In fact, I'd love to share your shout outs in my feed too. Not only are these shout outs really good for you and for me, but they also help us book more amazing guests because they'll be able to see the reach that you're helping to cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So thank you again for listening. And I look forward to earning a regular spot inside that ear of yours. Let's grow.